Welcome to the Chicago Bears Podcast. A presentation of ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Here's your host, Pat, the designer. Paradigm Bears fans, welcome into another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast, the Thursday edition, and in studio, joined by the hardest working woman in the industry, which is why you're getting it late, so tune in on ESPN, make sure uh, she's getting points out around the horn. Courtney Cronin's in the building. Courtney, what's going on? Not much. I'm glad that we finally get to do this in person. I know, right? You have a good setup in here. Yeah, you know, he's got a set up. I could use a little bit, you know, soda machine over here. Maybe a little, uh, they got the uh, the papa shot in the back. We throw the papa shot over here. We, we run the time. Things. The podcast is a week old. You might have a corner office by the time this thing's over. That is the goal where we are just dominating this month. I want a scoreboard in the studio. That's the end goal. If they let me get that, I'll be in heaven. When they move you down to the State Street studio, you know you've made it. Uh, yeah. Just putting that out there. Yeah, I, I mean, it's not bad. Waddle and Sylvie, like, sorry guys, we need the studio for you guys come upstairs. <laughs> oh man, it this that is going to be we won't speak on it. We'll speak it into existence, but we won't speak on it right now. Hey, we got a lot to get into today. Make sure you guys hit that like button, subscribe to the page. We talk Chicago Bears Monday through Friday. You can tune in on the ESPN 1000 app. You can tune in on any podcast platform where you get your podcast. On today's episode, we got to talk about Ryan Poles. He believes he's checked all the boxes when we talk about these draft picks. Got to get into rookie minicamp. And then, I mean, listen, your opinions on the draft are are so important because we know that you are the end-all, be-all of Bears talk in this city (laughs) right now. So uh, we got to get into all that and more on today's episode of the Chicago Bears podcast. Appreciate you guys for showing love. Courtney, how you doing? Welcome. Welcome to the studio. I'm glad to be here. I'm excited to see. I mean, the show has been, it's a week old and we've already, we already had Tommy Harrison. <laughs> Devin Hester. Devin Hester. McKay I mean, Briggs. you've set the bar pretty high. And then you've got me in here. So I'm following all of them. I'm going to try to bring it. I'm going to try to bring your energy. I think you bring good energy. So I appreciate that. But I mean, the list goes on and on. I just can't wait to see who's next. It's Well, that's up to Jason McKee. Shout out to McKee out here. He's the one booking all these monster (laughs) guests. And Eric Ostrowski. Eric's killing the game out here as well, man. Love. We we got a good team here. We Mm -hmm. got a good crew here that's putting everything together. And listen, that's what this is all about. Putting it all together, right? As we look at our beloved Chicago Bears. They feel like they're putting it all together. Ryan Pohl says he has checked all the boxes. We got rookie minicamp this weekend. We'll see what those boxes look like. But starting this thing off, do you feel like Chicago Bears checked a good amount of boxes that they had coming into this offseason? I do. We knew there were going to be a ton of holes on this roster that they had to fill. Yeah. Starting from the off seat, like early part of the off season, gearing up towards free agency. What were their priorities going to be? How were they going to address? some of their bigger needs and the bigger needs from the bears perspective in free agency was the linebacker position you know, literally the minute that the legal (laughs) tampering period opened that Monday, you see them sign TJ Edwards and then Tremaine Edmonds. And then of course, checking a couple boxes here and there where you get Nate Davis in the, in the mix and then Demarcus Walker. And then, you know, beyond that, you get your backup quarterback, you get another tight end. Like there were pieces that started to come into like fill holes early on. And then you hit the draft and the priorities became much more clear for what this team needed to do. Offensive line at number 10. I don't think you'll find a single person that disagrees that that should have been the top priority at that spot. And 
I know that they walk away without a defensive end. It's still very early, Pat. I know it's early May. We don't need to hit the panic button that they're not going to have any pass rush just yet. Of yeah. course, that's not lost on Ryan Poles. If you hear him talk about it, he's pretty much reiterating the same thing that he told us in March after free agency that there's going to be holes on this roster. You have to look at this from a realistic perspective, but they obviously can't go into the season happy with the pass rush that they currently have. So when that gets addressed will remains to be seen, but there's options. I wrote about that at ESPN.com. They have options and they have money to spend. So we'll see how they spend it. We are going to get into the free agents here because there's some names on that list that uh, might shock some Bears fans who live through the pace era as well. But I just, I, I come into this season, I look at coming to rookie minicamp and OTAs and stuff like that. And I feel like, right, is this Bears team finished being put together? No. I don't I don't know if Ryan Poles did plug all the pieces. But what I do feel like is this this Bears offense at a minimum has enough weapons now where we can start to look at Justin Fields and say, is he our franchise quarterback? That's what we thought last season was going to be about. It didn't turn into that once they pulled the rug out from under him. Now coming into this season, I feel like this season, right, you add DJ Moore, you go get Tyler Scott in the draft, who I think is going to be a really nice piece. You go get Roshan Johnson, who was the replacement for, we can never replace Monty's leadership. Yeah, watch. In three years, we'll be talking about, how can we replace Roshan Johnson? We do it every year. Uh, But I, I just feel like, the Bears come in with enough of the of a system that is being put together and in the second year of Luke Getze's system that we can start to really see, okay, what is this team realistically going to be moving forward? They have enough pieces now to get an accurate evaluation on the quarterback. Yeah. Last year, you're right. Everything, I go back to the day that they traded Khalil Mack. That was the first big move that Ryan Poles pulled off when he became the general manager. And that was the signifier to me, that everything was now going to skew towards offense. All of the resources, all of the effort, all of the the identity that this team has been since you and I have been alive, since since the beginning of the franchise, it's been built around the defense. Even though you have a defensive head coach, you still skew things offensively because that's how the NFL is now. And if you you win games because you have a good quarterback, now they've got to figure out is everything in play with everything in place is Justin Fields that guy last year you could not get an accurate read on that and I don't care what anybody says about oh he held on to the ball too long that's a factor but you'll really get to see if that's the problem this year because you have an offensive line that should be markedly improved in terms of pass protection and the way that they're the way that their priorities aligned from free agency and now into the draft where I think the draft became, I mean, I include DJ Moore in free agency. Like that's, he's in the free agent class to me because of the trade. Like it it happened because they weren't going to get a free agent wide receiver of that caliber. So in my brain, I just, I always group that in free agency. People are like, oh, they traded for him. Like, yeah, I know that. Like he wasn't a free agent, but (laughs) that's just how my brain works. So I, you think about DJ Moore, you think about Darnell Wright, probably at right tackle this next year and then keeping Braxton Jones at left. You think about the other addition to the wide receiver room and Tyler Scott, maybe a course correct for the Valus Jones pick from last year. You have speed on the outside. You have a raw receiver, but I think the potential there gives you the vertical threat that he just didn't have in the offense last year. So maybe they can get it right with that. And then with Roshan Johnson, 
I don't know about you, but hearing them talk about him, this is supposed to be like the franchise pillar. That's the name that they threw. That's the, you know, the characterization. And the guy hadn't even, we didn't even talk to him at that point. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't even officially a bear. I don't know if the paperwork had all been turned in outside <laughs> of like him getting drafted, but they, they made some good picks and they have depth at positions that they didn't have last year. Yeah. I love the fact that the receiver room looks so different. You have guys that have actual roles. Like it's not just a group of slot receivers and guys who play in the slot naturally having to play positions that they're probably not best suited for. This is what the Miami Dolphins did to a degree last year with Tua yeah. going into his third season. Granted, the caliber of player might have been a little different. Very different. Tyreek yeah. Hill and, uh, top left you know, tackle. Top left tackle and Teron Armstead, <laughs> perennial pro bowler, all those things. But it's the same formula. Put weapons around your guy. In year three, you got to find out by the time by time next year rolls around because you're figuring out if you're going to pick up his fifth-year option. Yeah. So it's a smart play. It's the right play. And this is the year you'll finally get your answers on Justin Fields because one way or another, they have to figure that out because the clock is ticking. Yeah, and I've, I think the the part that I love that this regime is doing is the previous regime, right? We're going to draft the left tackle. He's going to play right tackle. We're going to draft the right tackle. He's going to play left tackle. We're going to draft the center. Put him at guard. We got a receiver. He's going to play some running back for us. He's going to be behind the lines. We got, like, I've, everybody who's coming in is to play what they've played their life. Right. Like Darnell Wright's going to be a right tackle on this team, barring injury, right? Injury changes things, right? Tevin Jenkins is still the one that maybe is a little bit out of position, but I thought he had one of his best seasons showing at the guard position. So now he gets to be left guard. Braxton Jones gets a second year in the same spot, right? Now you're adding, and, and now for the first time ever, we're not drafting a receiver saying, hey, we're looking for our number one receiver. Mm-hmm. We're drafting a receiver in the fifth, fifth round saying, Come here and just be fast and catch the ball. We got DJ Moore to be our number one. We got Darnell Mooney to be our number two. Or we got Chase Claypool to be our number two, whoever, however that ends up falling out. Like, I feel like now you're putting guys in a position, even with Noah Sewell on the defensive side, right? Like, Noah Sewell can come in and just be the backup rotational linebacker right now, the guy that's able to sure. plug in anywhere. If he beats out Jack Sanborn, he beats out Jack Sanborn because he's a better player. But, like, you don't have to come in and... and the biggest issue to me, even with the vets we had on the team last year, was the fact that this Bears team was so incredibly young with no vets. We led the NFL in first and second year player snaps. There was a ton of inexperience on this team and a first time head coach and a first time OC. It wasn't set up for success. I mean, you listed all those things out. Now, the undoing has been done. Yeah. Now, like you're actually you're building it right at ground level, if not maybe a step above, because you think you have a quarterback who can be really successful if those things are in place around him. Yeah. And I I like the prospect of what you mentioned, like letting players play their natural position. Darnell Wright projects as a right tackle, and I think that they made this pick with the thought in mind, hey, we like what we saw in Braxton Jones. That wasn't just, you know, a bunch of smoke that they were blowing this offseason. Yeah, yeah. Giving him a second year to figure it out and figure it out from like, you know, where his anchor is. And, you know, I don't think he needs to get stronger. I think he's plenty strong. I've heard like some, you know, just weird conjecture about that. Like the guy's huge. Yeah. And I think he just needs to like play more. I mean, he played. Technique se- has to improve. Yeah. A he, bit. And that will yeah. by playing more. By, I mean, playing, more, by yes. playing 17 games, 100% of snaps last year is an FCS product transitioning from fifth round rookie into 17 game starter. He did a tremendous job. Yes. They see that and they're like, okay, there's something there. Don't give up on, there's, on, on something that you see there before it's too soon. So instead of, and I, and I know that you and I talked about this, like I 
in my mock draft, I had them taking Peter Skaronsky. Yes. We will always end up looking at the player taken after the player your team drafts to see how they did and whether your pick was the right pick, if it is and somebody of the same position, but even in terms of positional value, like how that pans out. So Peter Skaronsky could very well be a great fit for the Tennessee Titans and have an awesome career. And Darnell Wright could very well do the same here. Yeah. But if it's the path of least resistance where plug and play right tackle, not trying him out left tackle, not trying to move anybody around, put Braxton Jones back where he was, Tevin Jenkins, you try him at left guard. You try to figure out if that's going to work. Cody Whitehair at center. Maybe it's Lucas Patrick. Sounds like it's Cody Whitehair. And is, then is Lucas done. Like what's what I haven't heard anything. It was about an unfortunate like, injury circumstance for him getting hurt the second day of training camp yeah. and then getting hurt in the new England game. Like I, I asked Ryan Pulse about that because I thought interior offensive line depth would have been something they addressed it on day three, yeah. specifically with the center spot because Patrick, I believe is 29 years old. I think that Cody Whitehair is on the other side of 30, like just I think he's 30, 30 31. Like, or if this is be his 30, 31 season. So that to me think, okay, do you want to get younger there? And yeah. Poles' answer was pretty cut and dry that they're comfortable with what they have right now, that Lucas, Patrick, and Cody Whitehair have played a lot of football and played the center position pretty efficiently. So they roll with those two. And then, of course, next to the whoever's playing center is going to be Nate Davis. Yeah. So I think that you have the pieces in place where there's not going to be, and I know they talk about wanting to get the best five out there and whatever it takes, they'll do it. <laughs> it. It might not take as much this time around knowing what you already have and where players have been successful in the past. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. If the guy's been really good at right tackle and has the b- lowest blown block percentage in the SEC, yeah. and that's what Darnell Wright did last season, you keep him where he's comfortable. And he very well may be a better left tackle prospect down the line than a Braxton Jones, but you don't need that right now. Yeah. You don't need to reinvent the wheel and cause more having to learn like another side of your brain has to like flip everything from from your foot from your hand placement to your footwork. Eliminate the eliminate the tough stuff. Like go and let them like be good at what they're good at. And that's why I even love Tevin moving back to left guard because it's like he was a left tackle. Mm-hmm. We thought he was going to be our premier left tackle of our future, right? And realistically we put him at right guard. He had to flip everything. He had to learn an entirely new position all at once. The guard position, you got to be a lot quicker with your hands to get him out there. Now back on the left side, he's like, oh, I just got to have quick hands again. Like, I know all my footwork is the same again. Like, I think Tevin is going to have that step up uh, uh, um, in production. Hopefully he's able to stay healthy this season. And I think just the fact that, right, like, I don't feel like we're going into this offseason for the first time and probably, I mean, what? Or going into this season, first time in probably five years. Like, we're like, so how many different combinations are we going to try? Mm-hmm. Right? Larry Borm's a left tackle. Eh, maybe he's a right tackle. Eh, maybe he's a left guard. And with that, that <laughs> stuff all started last year yeah. during OTAs where... I think by by the start at the start of it, before Braxton Jones was brought in, you had Tevin Jenkins at left. And by the end of it, he was a second string. I believe that's when the the transition of him starting at trying the guard spot yeah. started out. And of course, like they, you know, there's other pieces that you have to like bring into play here too. Like where are they going to try to play Alex Leatherwood? They made a pretty massive financial yeah, commitment what, to him. What's going on with him as well? I would imagine. I mean, he was. He got a little run at right tackle last year. That was a move that didn't pan out in the short term, but you didn't like pick up all those guarantees when you claimed him off waivers for him to not be playing. So maybe at worst, he's your swing tackle, yeah. and that's an important role to have. But the, they will try out combinations. All teams do in training camp. And, of course, you have 
have to cross train at different positions being in the event that there's injury. It's the offensive line. That's a position that you often see that happen with, especially in training camp in the off season. So as much as I think that they will try to sell everyone on, we're going to get the best five out there, whatever the combination is, if we have to move players around, they're not going to lock anybody into this person's playing left tackle, this person's playing right tackle, even Ryan Poles and what he said about Braxton Jones last week, where he said he's got to earn it. Like you've got to come in every year and win your job. I think he will. I just, they give, they reserve the right in a way to give themselves flexibility with how they want to manipulate the five. But I think we pretty much know, probably for the first time in a while, we know what the starting five projects to be week one it's such a difference maker man as, as we head into as we head into the second quarter here second quarter because as we're heading into just like seeing these guys what these guys are fi- finally are, are going to be right i feel like last year rookie mini camp kind of heading into mini camp heading into uh, otas and different things like that like that's where we started to be like hey is braxton jones like a a good player? Like, did we get a steal here? As we're heading into this weekend's minicamp, who are you excited to see most? Of course, Darnell Wright, he's our top pick. Mm-hmm. Outside of Darnell Wright, who are you most excited to see get on the field, see what they can do a little bit? It'll be tough to tell this weekend because, you know, until we see what the interior defensive line rotation is going to be, they, you know, they signed Andrew Billings yeah. this offseason. And then, of course, Justin Jones is back. That what Ryan Poles talked about with having kind of that second wave because they, you know, they're a 425 defense, yeah, like yeah. they're 42 nickel, like they're constantly rotating guys on the interior to keep your pass rush fresh because of, you know, just how often, I mean, first the lack of the pass rush, but also how, how often teams are passing the ball. You have to counter that with what you're doing defensively. So how does that rotation work? Because yeah. both of those guys, Gervon Dexter and Zach Pickens, you know, with this front, they're interchangeable. So who plays a three technique? Who's the one? Yeah. Like who's a shade? Like all those things matter. And we won't really know that stuff until you actually see what this team looks like when it's lining up during training camp. Yeah. But I'm excited to see two high potential, but lower production players coming out of college, what they look like when they can fit into this defense. And again, we won't know that this weekend, but I'm curious about the prioritization of the, of the interior over edge rushers because yeah. that is a choice that they made, especially in the second and the third round. And I know it was a weaker class of edge rushers, especially part of like day two and then day three. But the answer you got from both Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus is that you cut the pressure on the interior. You want to dent the pocket. So basically you want to keep the quarterback high. You want to make the job of the edge rusher easier coming off of the edge because of where the quarterback's sitting. So if these two are going to do their job and do it well, that's really important. So I'd like to see how they fit into it. And I know that, again, it's not something we're going to find out right away. Roshan Johnson and what this backfield is going to become, because let's not forget, it's not just Khalil Herbert. Yeah. They brought in Deontay Foreman. Yeah. Like, There's what? a lot of backs here. We talked about that yesterday with McKee. There's and that's a lot of good. I think it's good because you have a quarterback who you don't want with 170 rushes again yes. this season, but finding out the splits, like if you want to project the splits, because I know everybody wants to talk fantasy football and it's Khalil Herbert going to have over under, you know, I was asked the other day, like 144 carries. And I had a hard time with that. Cause of course, if you think number one back, like absolutely it shouldn't be a That's problem, easy, but yeah. Deontay Foreman and him both carried relatively similar ish loads. I think Foreman was around 250 carries last year. Herbert, 
was over 200, right at 200 or right below. He can be your lead back, but do they want to do it that way? When Ryan Poles talks about balance in the backfield and you've got three guys who are powerful runners, and especially Roshan Johnson, when you think about breaking through contact and how many yards he got after first contact, how do you divvy up those carries? I'm really curious to see what this running back room looks like and if they can try to have it, you know, a lot more even in terms of how these backs are utilized where maybe you don't have a true number one back where you have guys with roles and the roles are eerily similar in terms of the usage rate. It's it's I said this yesterday with J Mac on the show. I feel like Rashawn Johnson could compete to be the number one back on this team by the end of the season because of everything that he does. He was a good blocker in the backfield. And that's important. I mean, getting guys who are proficient in pass protection early on is, that's not easy. A blitz pickup in the NFL is a little different, even if you're playing in a, you know, Big 12, SEC, all of that. Like, and that's something he takes a lot of pride in. And that's why I think the Bears were sold on him. And so, like, the evaluation that we heard from one of their area scouts, John City, was just that this is somebody who, you know, B. John Robinson was the name in that program, but you walk into that building in Austin and they're all talking about Roshan Johnson being the alpha in that room and I think that's important not only from the on-field perspective but the character part and the character also plays into hey if I get handed this role am I going to play it well am I going to buy into it if I think I should be doing playing something else but I'm not there yet and that's that's important for the for the makeup of this roster that they have a guy like that and in several guys like that because I think that you can might even see that in someone like Tyreek Stevenson the cornerback who had to you know find a role for himself at Georgia wasn't thrilled with it and then ends up transferring to Miami and and that's that's the part to me where it's like Right, like I, I feel like Ryan Poles went out and got guys that fit what he's trying to do well, that what Flus is trying to do well. It didn't feel like they just went out and, yeah, this, this guy's talented. We want mm-hmm. guys that are talented. We want the big name. We want, right, Jalen Carter would have been a bear pick. Like if we picked Jalen Carter, we'd have been like, just like the Bears have done forever. We went out and got the perfect three technique. Is there some questions with him? Yeah, but he's talented as all get out. We got guys now in the in the room that I'm like, okay, I see how he fits here. I see how he fits here. I feel like he's a 10-year guy. I feel like Roshan Johnson is a guy where we're going to be having a conversation very much like we did with Monty. Should we bring Monty back? Mm-hmm. Right? I know you got to pay him. I know that's not how people feel strongly about it, but Monty's a leader in that locker room. Um, Tyreek Stevenson, right? Like, I feel like Ryan went out this year and he got guys that are going to shape their philosophy in Chicago. And that's what gets me excited heading into rookie minicamp. That's what gets me excited about this draft class because not that I think these guys are going to be the most talented. I don't listen, I, I watched Noah Sewell miss a heck of a lot of tackles. <laughs> I watched him make a lot, but like he, he got shook a couple of times. But I also watched him be a catalyst on that defense and a guy that was willing to do whatever coach asked him to do. So like like you said, like that mindset to me is so important. It's not just about what's the best talent available, but it's also about who are the guys that are going to be able to fall into place. I feel like the Bears finally got all of the glue that they need. Now we just got to find some stars to stick to it. And that'll happen over time. Yeah. But when when Poles and Eberflutes talked after round three and you hear about the traits that they really wanted. Yeah. Of course, like this goes back to the combine when Paul, when, when Eberflus was asked about the traits of a defensive lineman, because at that time it's like, all right, is what, what's going to be the biggest priority? Will it be the offensive line? Will it be 
the defensive line and it's big, long and fast. And of course, every team wants that, but not every team is going to be willing to go and draft upon traits in the athleticism and the certain characteristics within the makeup of a football player that they really want and be dead set on doing that. And maybe that's the reason when they pass up some of these defensive ends, some of the names like Adetomiwa uh, Adabare, it's kind of undersized. Even though he was a really good player in college and one of the top prospects projected to go and he didn't go till round four, but Maybe they looked at it and said that's not a right that's not the right fit in our in our system. Might be a f- right fit in Indianapolis, but not in their system. Yeah. So I think you look at that and say you got to give them credit for remaining pretty true to their board yeah. and pretty true to the things that they expect to play a big role in the makeup of the football team cuz some it would be a knee jerk reaction if they did it the different a different way, and that's not following the plan that they've been. Like, why would you stray from the plan that you've been so methodical yeah. in enacting? Like for that, yeah. No, and that's that's it's so good to see a GM stick to the plan, right? Like, I, I the big thing with Ryan Pace, and we loved it at the moment, was he went out and got Khalil Mack. Mm-hmm. We love that he got Khalil perfect. Okay, you went out and got this guy, but we still were sitting there like, hey, who's protecting Mitch? <laughs> like, you just drafted this kid second overall. Whatever he becomes, he becomes. But protect him, right? Ryan Pohl showed up the first day. He said, we got to protect this kid. There's no way he should have got hit that many times. He shouldn't have been put in that position mm-hmm. by the coaching staff that was in place. And it feels like the entire time as we've moved through this, even though we've selected some defensive pieces, changed some things on the defensive end, it's like you said. The focus is finally in Chicago for the first time. And I'm not going to lie, everybody's life. If you're watching this, the first time in your lives Mm -hmm. that they care more about the offense to me than the defense. We never would have taken a tackle, a right tackle at that. Yeah. It, it was overall. since 2013, that was the first time they drafted an offensive lineman. That's why they put such a big investment in the workout and the whole scouting process because. If you get that pick right, then that is a franchise player. That's somebody that's going to be in the fold for you for a very long time. And as we know, those players are very important in terms of protecting the quarterback and also just everything that that allows the offense to do. So I... I just I really think that and I know it's still early and we won't be able to judge these picks and really how the first couple of years shake out until five years down the line yeah. to see how the rebuild got off the ground. But everything that they did lines up with everything that they told people they were going to do. So you really can't look at the Bears sideways and say, well, this, you know, and then some fans are upset just about like the the how quick this thing is going. Yeah. And sometimes it does feel like it's taken a long time. And trust me, I don't think they wanted to go through a three and 14 season, but they had to go through that to get to where they are right now to continue on with this long-term rebuild where you get closer to contending. You don't make empty promises based on the personnel that you have that you're going to be ready to do it this year. And and that's the smart play. Yeah. As, as frustrating as I'm sure for some Bears fans who expected a quick fix, it's not realistic. And I don't think that they've ever sold anybody on anything that has felt unrealistic. I, I agree with that. I mean, like when, when Ryan came in, it, it literally, when he kept saying, we're going to try to be competitive. I was like, oh, okay. We, we got... We got better than competitive out there, at least defensively. We got Quinn. We got Mac. We got Hicks was still on the roster at that point. We got Roquan. Like, we're just trying to be competitive. Like, you could patch it. And I think that's the that's the part that's the most exciting, right, is, as you know, we, we, we can get into a little bit more of the draft and stuff like that as we head to the third quarter. 
by the way, uh, this is halftime. Anything you want to promote? Anything you got going on? Anything you want the people to watch out for you? This is your time to shine. So, wait, halftime is the promotion hour? Halftime is whatever you feel like uh, huh. telling the people to check you out at. Or I didn't come prepared out. for this, but, I mean, y- you're right. Like, give me points on Around the Horn. I like winning. Okay. So, right. that's always important. Um yeah, no, I mean, I will next time I'm next time I'm on on Tuesday, I will make sure that I come with something better than just like a self promotion. I sound like a real jerk right now, uh, but you you set me up for it. So I, I did. Blame I did. That for that. Um, yeah, you're fine. This is I literally started this with Lance this Monday. So what did he promote? He, he literally was like, "I have nothing. You didn't prepare me for this." I was like, "Nobody knows what they have going on." Like, you don't know what you have going on. It, it's for you. It's for you to put yourself out I think there. The people know. They know where to find me. Oh, flex out here. Okay, Courtney. <laughs> my, my Twitter handle and my Instagram handle have stayed the same this entire time, at Courtney R. Cronin. You can find my work there. You can, you know, I interact with people on both platforms. Yeah. I answer questions as much as I can. And uh, I... You know, I promote this, the greatest podcast in the Chicagoland area, maybe even the right. best Bears podcast in the world. Oh, or it could be worldwide. So. Oh, we already are. There's somebody right now in Australia watching us. I guarantee you. We're big, we're big in Australia. Australia. A lot of Bears fans in Australia. A lot of Bears fans possibly in Germany as we get into uh, <laughs> the third quarter a little bit. We talk about third quarter. A couple of things in that quarter. Uh, here's what I do want to ask you, though. You were uh, big on Peter Skaronski. Mm-hmm. After the draft, what are your personal thoughts on how Ryan Poles did? Do you feel like this is the draft that changes his franchise? Do you feel like there were some reaches there? I know a lot of people feel like trading up for Tyreek Stevenson was a, was a little bit of a reach. What are your personal thoughts on how he operated this draft? To the Stevenson point, I don't think it was a reach. I think that getting a cornerback on day th- on day two and not having to wait to sift through day three and being able to address the linebacker position, being able to address running back, you know, wide receiver, there were, he had a lot of needs. The the thing that I look at with this draft is the draft that changes everything. It might be, but he had his first ever first round pick mm-hmm. and the wherewithal it takes to make sure that that's the right pick is what we're going to remember Ryan Poles for. And, and I've had a lot of you know people say, well, why wouldn't they just draft Jalen Carter? Why, why is he a guy who might have had some care? Not might. Let's be honest. He had some character concerns bit, yeah. in, in some of the, the off the field issues. Why is it safe for him to be in Philly and not safe for him to be here? Bears know more than anybody else about, like, you know, finding the information on the player. I know fans want to have this conjecture about, well, you know, like whatever they think is true about. (laughs) I promise you, NFL teams spend so much money to hire private investigators to have their scouting staffs vet these guys. Wasn't it Cam Newton that was talking about it? Like somebody called him and was like, what are you doing at the club? I mean, he's like, they have eyes how everywhere. do you know I'm at the club? He's like, don't worry about how I know. What are you doing at the club? I think that was Cam Newton that said that. They, they <laughs> have eyes everywhere, and rightfully so, because the investment that comes with being a top 10 pick financially is one thing, but also making sure that you, it's such a boom, it, he was such a boomer bust prospect that I think very clearly by how the Bears passed over him, weren't going to take him and still got a fourth round pick next year in the process. It didn't seem like a lot at the time, but now it makes sense. And it made sense shortly after that, that Ryan Poles 
he doesn't have the leash to be able to make a pick like that yet. And, and he probably knows that he's a second year general manager. Howie Roseman's been at two Super Bowls since 2017. Yeah. And the infrastructure within that team, it's not just like a general manager who's got a long resume. It's what's on that roster. You have Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox, who are long tenured NFL veterans. You have the 2021 Georgia Bulldog re- defense reincarnated in Basically, Philly. Yeah. So you're bringing the a Philly player. Bulldogs is here. You're bringing a player into the fold who you're hoping you're putting in the right position to succeed. Yeah. He wouldn't have probably had that here, and it's no knock on the guys that are currently in the locker room. I just think that the circumstances around a pick like that are much much more stringent than than probably the Bears could have gotten away with taking a flyer on somebody like that. So I think from that aspect, I respect the decision. Now, with Darnell Wright and Peter Skaronsky and kind of how I felt about that, you know, we will really never know how the board was stacked in terms of tackles because Paris Johnson Jr. went to Arizona at six. That threw everything off the last week. It was the whole trade I thought was a brilliant move for Arizona, but they're telling you, like, we don't care about 2023. We care about next year. And and I and that's tough for players uh, just because you think about that roster. He's got a lot of vets on that roster still. And, I mean, the quarterback's not going to be back until November, maybe at a minimum. But they they did a really good job setting themselves up for a potentially unfavorable season because they don't have Kyler Murray this year, but setting themselves up for next year. But taking Paris Johnson... In my simulation, when I took when I took Peter Scronsky in my mock draft, like, I had the entire board available to me. So we won't like all the tackles yeah. because they were all still on the board at nine. We won't know how the if the Bears if, if Peter if um Paris Johnson Jr. was there, would they have taken him? Like we won't ever know that because yeah. it didn't play out in reality. So you can't gauge truly like how they felt with the top four tackles available because they weren't. Yeah. Now they say Darnell Wright was a top tackle on their board. And of course, of the, course the research and, and the effort that it took to like put all of these pieces in place for the interviews, whether it was a top 30 at Hallis, all the stuff at the combine, scouting him throughout the season, and then the workout, they very clearly saw something. Let's not forget last year, they did a private workout at Southern Utah with Braxton Jones yeah. because they saw something. They wanted to make sure what they saw and what they had heard matched their own evaluation and they wanted an up-close look. I I think it's smart the teams do this, and they're not Bears aren't the only one. But and get to get to coach them in the uh, in the senior. Yeah, too, it, the, the more the more you get to know these prospects before you bring them in, and you're committed to them financially for a while. And you know he has 21 million dollars in guarantees on his contract yeah. for being a, a the top ten uh, number ten pick. Yeah. So they did their due diligence. We will not know about Skaronsky and how he pans out until a couple of years down the line because he was taking one pick after. So you're going to look at that and say, in hindsight, should the Bears have done this? Should they have, you know, how about Broderick Jones? Yeah, he was yeah. taking it 14. I loved Broderick Jones. But I, I love Broderick Jones at left tackle. Sure. Yeah. And and we, I think Peter Skaronsky is a left tackle in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I really do. And the Bears are going to have to look at themselves if he pans out to be an awesome player and say that you passed over this kid potentially maybe the biggest reason because he had 32 and a quarter inch arms. If he ends up being great somewhere else, if it's Tennessee later down the line in his career, wherever, like that's something that they're going to have to live with. But if Darnell Wright lives up to their expectations for him, right tackle right now, maybe left tackle in the future, then it won't matter. So I say all that to say, I think that Ryan Poles is... Again, he's been very methodical in his approach, and I think you have to respect that because I've covered general managers and teams before where sometimes 
what is said and what is done, those two things don't match up. Are Ryan, you saying that Ryan Poles is not going to be in a pullover at a, a North Carolina game scouting quarterbacks? Is that what you're saying? I think that... <laughs> when nobody else knows he's there. You know, I mean, every general manager... I mean, go back to last year. Yeah. Like, every general manager has their gaffes. Their gaff last year was Larry Ogunjobi, and that was, like, one of the first things yeah. that happened where it's like, wow, overpaying kind of by a lot for a three technique who's coming off a foot injury, and lo and behold, he fails a physical. Yeah. I don't... Not speaking for Ryan Poles in that and saying that that would be something that keeps you up or something that kind of motivates you to not have that happen again. But that wasn't a great look for them he early said on. That was his hardest, his hardest move because one, you you got to speak for the person to the mm-hmm. person themselves, right? Like we can sit here and be like, cut that guy, cut that guy. Like he had to go tell Larry, like you failed your physical, yeah. and I am taking your money away. It's tough, but I mean, just from a perception yeah. thing, for that to be one of the first things that happens outside of trading Mac at that point under his watch, I mean, I'm sure that that wasn't something that he looks back on fondly with, but now where he has two draft classes under his belt, things that he's done that he's proud of, like, these are my draft picks. These are, I, I calculate, I went through in a very calculated manner and pick these players because I project them to fit what we're building here. You can't like look, you can't look at that any other way and say he's doing it the way that he told us he was going to do it. Now, whether that's the right way or not, we're going to find out in terms of wins and losses eventually. But there is something to be said about somebody putting a plan out there and then sticking to the plan to a T. There's not been a single moment in this regime where they've changed their mind about something and done things differently. Like they've even through like the tough times, they've still doubled down. Like, you know, with fields running a lot, like last year, think about that for an example, like, yeah. even through the tough times, they still doubled down on him doing that. And then when it got to the, really the point of no return, they had to pull back. Like they're very like plan oriented. I think from like, you know, uh, from a scheme perspective, like, you know, when you take a look at like what the pass rush scheme was last year, like even though sometimes it didn't work, they still stuck with their plan of how they were going to do it. Maybe there's an adaptability concern there and stuff that needs to change. But from the coaching staff to the front office decisions, I just think that that's a common theme you see among this team. And it's not a bad one. Yeah. What What do you think, right, the post-draft? Because we've seen all the, the draft, the grades that come out, which I don't take much stock into those, right? Like, my favorite one is that Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner are two of the worst picks you'll ever make in your life. You know what I mean? Hall of Famers. Um, but uh, the fact that almost everybody feels kind of how we feel about the draft, right? Like, we, I feel like as Bears fans, we're always like, yeah, like, I mean, I'll see how that works. And then, like, I can, okay, that's okay. Like, yeah, I see what you were thinking there. I don't know about that one, but I, I see what you were thinking. Like, everybody seems to have a consensus. All the draft grades I've seen have been being above at the Bears are doing. What is the national perspective on what Ryan did? I think there were some safe picks in there, and that's okay because the safe picks can be great picks and they can be best player available at that spot. Darnell Wright not only fills a need for now, but he was one of the best players available at number 10. So you can't knock that pick at all because it addresses the offensive line, which has been something that this team has wanted to do, and it takes more than one draft to do that. And you get one of the top players available in this draft. So I'm with you. I don't 
I don't like putting grades on things. They actually like got away from us doing that a couple of years ago. I think that just like our draft analysts will do yeah. it based on value and positional value. They, they did a really good job with that. I, you can make the argument about the edge rusher and they didn't come away with one. So that should maybe affect yeah. their draft grade. And, and that's fine because they, you can, you have a valid argument in doing so, but as far as needs and as far as filling holes on this roster, which there were a lot of, they did that. Yeah. Is there still work to be done? Absolutely. But I guess if you were to give me like a make me make a grade on it now, I think it's a solid B, solid B to yeah. B plus. I, I, it's how I feel. I just it's like you said, like the grades are always weird because it's like nobody knows, mm-hmm. right? Like you, you're you're sitting you're here for a couple of years. You're, you're sitting here five years down the line, and you're like, oh, that was an F draft right there. Well, why? Well, I mean, he blew his knee out. Well, yeah. How do you know that at that time? So I, I've always hated the draft grade thing because it's like nobody knows anything. And it's going to be so interesting to just see. It, I'll say this. I've never gotten to watch a GM actually have a plan, kind of tell us the plan and actually work that plan in almost any sport. Like I'm, a, I'm a Sox fan. I'm a Bulls fan. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen a GM say, this is our plan. I watched Gar Foreman and John Paxson go, we're going to get younger and more athletic. And they go sign Dwayne Wade and Rajon Rondo. You know what I mean? like, So I've never seen, it's it's so weird to, to feel like sure. a football fan that everyone else has gotten to be. <laughs> no, I mean, and I, and I get that because this, t- this city has dealt with that a lot. Huh. And I think... You know, I know the White Sox are on a three-game win streak right now, and you take a look at I, – I feel for the fans. Like, the way that that organization is run, in contrasting that to what the Bears are doing, this is not the same old Bears where it's been the same thing year after year after year, yeah. and it becomes systemic problems. Yeah. They're doing things differently. And, and I think there's a couple teams around here that can wake up and realize like you can't get away with doing things the same way anymore because there's a team in Lake Forest that is putting you on notice in a way. Yeah. And when you have the backing of ownership and a general manager who has been so calculated with the people that he surrounds himself with, the coach and the relationship that he has with him, it, it, it leads to the optimism because it's not blind optimism. It's optimism that this is going to work out because A, B, and C happened, yeah. but we still have to see D, E, and F, and then other things take place. Like Again, I keep going back to the idea that like having a plan and actually following through on it, I know it feels like it's a so rare simple. concept sometimes. And in sports, things make you change your plans. Yeah. Injuries, attrition, uh, players not working out the way that you might have projected them to. And of course, the Bears have dealt with that, and they're going to continue to deal with that too. We're not going to hit on every pick of this. Exactly. But I do believe that the way that they've gone about this in their eyes will allow there to be hopefully less of that. I heard it here first. uh, Courtney Cronin saying that the Bears are putting the rest of the sports in Chicago on notice. I hope at least. I hope. I got. I mean, they I, look competent. I need. I need Tell something to root for. Organization in Chicago right now that has the same level of perceived competence that the Bears do. I, as a Sox fan, I really hate to say this, but maybe the Cubs. I mean, outside of that, it's 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 the same. Here's not the. It's not the Bulls or the Sox. It's not. And and here's the thing that I think changed the most. It's Ryan Pace walking in the door and saying. If you're not going to let me do what I need to do, don't hire me. He's, I feel like he's the first GM, right? Because it's the charter franchise, the Bears. We have to have this. If you're not going to let me build this team the way I need to build it, I'll go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. 
And that mindset just seems crazy for somebody, right? Because what are you going to do? You're going to go be a GM in, in a smaller city where you don't have the same budget. Like, I feel like finally the McCaskies were like, all right, listen, we ain't got it right. So you do it. And it's, it, you've seen the shift since then. And I, that, that is the part that to me, like you said, puts the rest of these mugs sure. on notice. Yeah. No, I think the polls, I mean, he had an opportunity in Minnesota and to turn that down to come here, obviously the extra year of security helps yeah. in terms of contractually, but to be given the green light to go about this, seeing a vision for this team and how how it has to come to, into play. I mean, tell me another tell me another general manager who has that same sort of leeway anywhere else in Chicago. You won't be able to find them. <laughs> Absolutely not. Hey, hey, totally Russo. Anyway, as we head into the fourth quarter here to finish this show out. Fourth quarter. I got your back, Rick. Kind of, not really. Uh, here's here's the one thing that is we we've talked about it a couple times uh, on here. The edge rushers, right now, they're not up to par. Mm-hmm. Um, we we hope that we got something in, in Javon Dave, uh, Dexter. I'm gonna say Davis every time because of Javante uh, in in Dexter and in uh, Zach Pickens, but the edges are a little thin. The edge market is out there, and uh, Leonard Floyd's on that market. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe also on that market. Should the Bears still be in the free agent market? Should they be dipping their toe yeah. back in the market? No, to absolutely. This? And I mean, Floyd's the name that comes up the most because he was the most productive of the remaining edge rushers that are out there. When it's you know Ngakwe, Jadavian Clowney, yeah. Frank Clark, Justin Houston. You know, and there's some names that might be available. Yeah. Chase Young might be available, but I don't believe that if I think the market, then there was no movement last week because of what the commanders might have been seeking for a firmer, former first round pick. And I also think that now that the draft's over, there's no real incentive to do it now. I don't think the Bears would do that now. But what about Carl Lawson? Yeah. Like if he gets, if he ends up getting to, if he becomes a post June one cut for the Jets, or if the Jets are like, hey, we got a lot of, you know, guys on the defensive line right now, especially at the edge spot, maybe we could trade you for, you know, a, a fourth or a fifth. Like maybe they do it. But I, I look at the Floyd situation coming off nine and a half sacks. I think it's right around like 29 sacks the last three years for the Rams. And most importantly, he's played every game the last five years. He's played in 80% of the games over like the last six or seven. I I saw that and I was like, Leonard Floyd? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Leonard Floyd that was here this (laughs) time. No, I mean, it's important to think about and consider how he would fit in this defense. Much different defense than the last time he was here. Very different, yes. But what does he want? He came in a 3-4, right? Yes, we they were, were three, they four, were three yeah. four when they drafted him. But like, what does he want? What does the contract look like? I mean, there's a reason he hasn't been signed. Maybe yeah. maybe the price is too high, but he'll have to concede if he wants to play. And he's not getting that offer just yet. They're going to sign somebody. They can't go into the 2023 season with the edge as thin as it is, where you've got Travis Gibson and Dominique Robinson, your only edge rushers that actually generated sacks returning yeah. this season. You can't like there's just no humanly possible outcome where that's like a good idea. But the good thing is they have money to spend, how quickly they'll do it, how much competition they're going to have for some of these guys will determine how many they're able to bring in and and where it goes from there. But I I think the options are good. It's not as bleak of a market as maybe you'd expect, it's not. but it's it's a good spot for them to be in knowing that this was probably where they were going to go. 
given their draft priorities. And I remember talking to Matt Eberflutes about this at the league meetings. Do you think you're going to end up signing somebody post-draft? And he, he gave credence to that thought. So I'm not too surprised knowing how, how much weaker day three was of the edge rusher class this year, that that's the route that they're probably going to go. I, I, I really look at Leonard Floyd and I know right. All bears fans have a sour taste. The only question mark I have with Leonard Floyd is, is the production because of how focused everyone is on Aaron Donald. There's no Aaron Donald here. Hopefully, right? Oh, hey, One day. Hey, Dexter, whenever you're ready. You know what I mean? If you want to be Aaron Donald, we're all for it. But I don't believe right now there's an Aaron Donald on this team. I don't think Zach Pickens is going to be that. So now, right, Leonard Floyd comes in. He's probably going to be a pretty good size contract guy that comes if he does come back to Chicago uh, or a, a Yannick Ngakwe, whoever it is, right? But the defense is going to be able to focus on them. Now, they might be able to open some other things up. Maybe it opens something up for Demarcus Walker, different things like that. But when you're the guy that's getting focused on, it's a mm-hmm. lot different than when you're the guy that gets the benefit from sure. double teams or triple teams on Aaron Donald at the front. Yeah. And I mean, when you have that dominant edge rusher, that person always draws the most attention yes. up front, whether you're going to get chipped, whether you're going to get, you know, max protection to your side, whatever it is. If you're good, you can fight through that. It's not going to be easy. Yeah. To think that they can just go swipe up all of the remaining edge rushers, not a realistic thought, but I think you got to look at the age and the fit. I mean, Ngakwe is 28 years old, so he's on the younger end of some of these. He's been a hired gun, weirdly enough, like very, like he's on like 16s and 18s. Yeah, so he, like in 20, he was traded from Jacksonville to Minnesota when I was still covering the Vikings in August that year, and he ends up staying there for think it was like through week six he 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 led the team in sacks that year and he yeah. wasn't on the roster for the final 10 games yeah. so that's that's wild um but <laughs> then he ends up with the sounds like the bears <laughs> he ends up i believe it was the raiders and then with the colts so yeah, a lot of bouncing around yeah. but like he he signed a two-year contract with indianapolis or with the raiders and got traded so now that's why he's like up for you know being a free agent he's not going to bring you anything on run defense but that's a well-known fact about unique and yeah. like he has got incredible pa- he's a pass rush specialist he's got the best cross chop like i always used to call it like the bunny hop like someday <laughs> i'm gonna have him show me how he does that like his pass rush moves are fascinating to me yeah. like the like because he's there's they're so unique to him. Is it similar to Quinn's? How uh, Braxton was talking about Quinn had like the, the hop and then like the sweep it, past you. It's you got to watch it on tape. As I'm not giving, I'm not doing it justice. Yeah. Like Unique Ngakwe, because I think Quinn, Quinn's certainly a pass rush specialist in his own right. But the way that Ngakwe sets the edge and then just like the speed at which he gets inside is remarkable. And so I watched him do that during the COVID season for a handful of games with Minnesota. And then for him to go on with the Raiders and then go to to Indianapolis, there's a lot left in the tank is what I'm trying to say. Even though I think it is a unique situation. I think four teams in in three years, I think he'd be a good option because of the age. Because you're... When they bring, when Ryan Poles talked about like you want to get this like he understands why people think you want to get this done in one off season but you can't because yeah. they're trying to find the right fit. It's not just a move for this year. It's not just well we need an edge rusher. We might as well get somebody here for seventeen games yeah. and see how it works out for next year. It might be a one year contract, but. You want to get somebody in with the projection of, hey, if this guy performs well, we want to have him as part of what we're building here going forward. So you 
the age is a factor, the fit, the scheme, all of those things. And that's why I think with someone like a Jadavian Clowney, for example, throw his name out. Because we also know that like Frank Clark and Justin Houston have the, they know Ryan Poles. Ryan Poles knows them because they were in Kansas City with him. And someone like a clowny, he has been trying his hardest for years now to get that big second, big third or second contract, and it hasn't panned out. He might be somebody you can get in here in a one-year, $10 million deal and yeah. keep signing those sorts of things for him to prove it himself. And last year, he was he felt he was overshadowed by Miles Garrett. He was pretty disgruntled. They told him to go home week 15 after the Baltimore game where he, like, literally refused to play first and second down. It wasn't because he was hurt. He didn't like his role. He'd have plenty of a role here. So <laughs> you think maybe change of circumstances, change of scenery, yeah. he could thrive. I think that that's why, like, you, if you're a Bears fan, you look at the options that are out there and you hope that it's a, I mean, it definitely feels like a why a big enough pot right now for them to dip their hand into and find something that's going to solidify this defensive line because you cannot compete with it in the state that they're at right now. You just can't. And there's, it, it's negligent if they do that. If tell me if I'm wrong, but isn't there right? If they spend a certain amount of money, they also get some rollover into next season. And that you can roll some of your cap over to yeah. next year. And they've got I think it's thirty six point seven right now yeah. in in cap space. And of course, the cap and the cash like that all the amount of cash that you're going to spend all depends on how much ownership wants to put forth there. Like the yeah. salary cap is. You know, by and large, I mean, everybody has to follow it, but the amount of cash spending this team wants to have this year when, you know, the draft class, there's a certain amount that's allocated. I don't have the exact number, but there's a certain amount that's allocated for them. Like they will have money left over to spend. Yeah. And you have to spend a certain portion of it. So this all points to you. Like it's a matter of not like if, it's when. It's when. I just don't know when. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. Let's hope so. Let's hope because I really want to see what this team. I would imagine by June. Yeah, for sure. I would imagine by June. You want to have those people here from for mandatory mini camp if possible. Probably post June one because I think there are going to be some interesting edge cuts as well. Yeah, you got to keep an eye on the guys who get released because they're released oftentimes for a reason. If you're that good, they'll figure out how to pay you. So everybody has like a flaw. No player's perfect, but. That's a good play. It's a Carl Lawson sort of place to keep an eye on. And as we know, people get traded during the preseason because injuries happen. Yep. And if the Bears look at their situation and are and feel like they're in dire straits, then maybe they end up pulling off a trade for somebody. Could be interesting. Before we get up out of here, we got we got to talk about this one last topic because uh, we got multiple sources flying around here telling <laughs> us one thing or the other. Um. Are the Bears playing in Germany? Does anybody know? Build reported yesterday. Build is a German paper. I had to send it to my co-host on Locked On Bulls, who speaks fluid German. Shout out to Hayes. Uh, it's a and pretty good him, skill to have. It, well, he was raised on a military base out there, so he, he speaks fluent German. We could German. get Equinemius St. Brown to tell us. We could have got he Equinemius. fluent German. Could have got St. Brown to tell us, although he was, he was uh, him and Amin Ra on that pod the other day. That was tough. Amin Ra just, like showed the Bears fans at the draft, just like said, we got to do better, Bears fans. Hold on. I got to speak to the fans we gotta do better here, right? We can't have Lions fans outdoing us at the draft. The Bears fans are like on their phones. He's like, well, yeah, y'all not happy? Y'all don't know these people? <laughs> so, but basically, the Germany game is the biggest question heading into next Thursday's release of the schedule. Mm-hmm. What's the expectation? Are, are they playing in Germany? Are they not? What do you think? I, I, there would have been, I feel like there would have been more buzz around them. Yeah. 
had they been pl- had they been scheduled for the Germany game. Yeah. It you know the schedule release is another primetime event for the NFL. They love having it scheduled the way it is. I would not be surprised if they are not in Germany next year. I don't know that to be certain, but I just feel like that probably would have gotten more pub by now, at least like it's trending in that direction. I would love to go to Munich. Um, I believe it's Munich. I would love to be able to go there, but I just don't know if that's going to happen. It doesn't sound like it. It's, I was uh, telling Danny here, I was like, Maybe they were like, maybe the NFL was like, you either go to Germany or you get hard knocks and they chose one or the other. You know what I mean? Like, who knows at this point? But it was, it was just. I can promise you they're not going to be on hard knocks. Not after hearing George McCaskey talk about that. They they are not big on. Better shot for them to do training camp on the moon than them do uh, hard knocks. It's so weird because it's just like, one, you're, you're not keeping government secrets. Guys, I don't it's know. Okay. It's the NFL. It's, it's the NFL. They think they're keeping government secrets. But the the other thing to me is like every time I see hard knocks, it's like the downfall of a team. I'm not gonna lie. I've never seen a. Has there ever been a successful team on hard knocks? I know it's you, usually bad teams, but like yeah, t- teams coming off that have to fall into a certain threshold. You yeah. can't just have a new coach, yeah. new staff, anything like that. Can't be a team, I believe, that has like a rookie quarterback. Like there, I mean, there's really? there's different. Because you want to be able to allow them to get used to it without the camera. Yeah, I th- there's definitely like so- somebody would know better than me. I just know that there's rules in place that like prevent certain teams from being eligible for it. But this would be the first year that the Bears are eligible for it, and they're not doing it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's no just, questions asked. They're not it's doing just it. So far, all I remember is just last year DeAndre Hopkins just looking at Kyler Murray, just like, "What do you see?" I was like, it's over. Trade for him. Go get him. He hates him. And the (laughs) in-season ones are interesting, too. I mean, that, I think that nobody, we all like hard knocks in the summertime. It's training camp. Like, the in-season ones, there's so much other stuff going on that it's like, oh, wait, hard knocks is currently, like, filming in this organization? It's so weird. It's just weird. And the Amazon thing, I believe they had one with the Colts or the Ravens, one of the two a few years ago. Didn't the Chiefs on there one year? Didn't the Chiefs have, oh, no, that was the Browns. The Browns were on there. Where they had that, that coach who, like, every time he says, what? his stomach jumped a little That bit. was hard knocks. That was hard mm-hmm. knocks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A great pod, Courtney. It's great it's to have you in studio. I know. I'm glad to be here. Hope to have you here much more often. But, you know, you're, like I said, busiest woman in the industry right now. So, uh, hey, as always, hit that like button. Subscribe to the page. We'll be here tomorrow. Who we got in the studio? We got uh, Sylvie's in the studio with us tomorrow. That'll be fun. A lot of draft breakdown, a lot more reaction, and uh, a lot of what the heck is coming this offseason and and what more are we going to see. Thank you for coming in the studio and being on Chicago Bears Pod. Thanks for having me. As always, man, y'all stay safe out there, Chicago. Hit that like button, subscribe to the page, leave a five-star review on the podcast side, and uh, make sure to bear down. Peace.